Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Historically, the oil and gas industry is not a big fan of legislation that targets fossil fuels, which makes sense. And Democrats' recently unveiled climate spending package does exactly that. Last week, Senators Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin unveiled a reconciliation package with over $300 billion that would penalize some forms of fossil fuel pollution while also making the largest investment in clean energy in U.S. history. But the oil and gas industry doesn't actually hate this climate package, since it contains some small wins that would benefit its companies. So today we chat with Politico's Ben Lafave about why the oil and gas industry is offering some surprising praise for Democrats' reconciliation bill. It's Monday, August 1st. So, Ben, on its face, the oil and gas industry would seem to not like a big climate bill, but you're reporting the industry's position on Senator Manchin and Schumer's new reconciliation bill is more complicated than you might expect. So what's going on here? I think what's going on is basically they're seeing some things in the bill that actually benefits them. The reconciliation bill we saw last week is like really stuffed with a lot of money for green projects. There's a lot of money for electric vehicles. There's a lot of money for wind and solar tax credits. But there's also things in there, the industry is saying, wait, this actually we could use. There's tax credit for blending biofuels into like gasoline or diesel. That's something that the refining sector likes. There's a big, whether this stays in or not is is up to question, but there's a big idea in the bill that really caught the industry's eye, tying the Interior Department's desire to expand wind power development on public lands, putting out oil and gas lease sales. So that's something that was a big mansion priority. And basically, What it says is that the Interior Department can't give right-of-ways for wind power on public land on any year that it would approve those rights-of-way. It also puts up 2 million acres of public land up for oil and gas leasing and like 60 million acres of offshore acres, which is huge. Another big win that would be for the companies like Chevron and Exxon that are developing carbon capture technology are big tax credits and grants for carbon capture projects. Same thing for hydrogen projects, which the oil industry likes. So there are definitely things that's catching their eyes and making them think that it's not as bad as it could have been for them. Interesting. And you mentioned some of the big wins, but I saw another one is really opening access and ensuring access to new waters in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico for oil and gas leasing. So can you talk about what got in the bill on that part? Yeah, again, that's something that Manchin was really complaining about this past year, that the Biden administration hasn't really made acres available for oil and gas leases. They've really dragged out the process for doing this. This bill would basically mandate that. They'd have to do it. Before we go too much further, we should have mentioned this bill still has to kind of pass muster with the Senate parliamentarian. So I've seen some people say Manchin can put these things in there, but we have to see whether the parliamentarian will allow them. But it kind of cuts both ways. Another thing that oil companies liked was that we're a little bit more optimistic on was that there's a methane fee included in this bill that would go up to $1,500 per ton for carbon emissions. 
But they're thinking when this was proposed earlier, I think it was in the Build Back Better plan, there were rumblings that the Senate parliamentarian might not allow that. They're basically saying if it's a gamble between you know, maybe having to pay a methane fee, but being guaranteed lease sales every year, that's something they may be willing to take, especially given that some of these larger oil companies are proclaiming that they are in the process of plugging these methane leaks in their infrastructure. Right. And still you report that not everyone in the industry was willing to call this bill a win. So for the folks who aren't exactly super excited or maybe more lukewarm, why is that? I think the big reason is that even though the tax credits for EVs proposed a little bit lower than they had been under Build Back Better, they're still in there at a fairly high rate. The other thing, the methane fee that we mentioned earlier was a big kind of no-no to them. Some of these trade associations have to deal with a whole range of companies. Some of them will be like major international companies that have enough money on hand to retrofit their equipment to try to really cut into the emissions. But some of the companies in their memberships might be smaller and might really feel that they can't afford to do this and they'll just end up paying the methane fee. I think that's the biggest reason that these companies didn't like it. We saw AXPC and API come out and say, we're still reading this, but we're worried that the language in here is going to increase the costs for consumers, which is shorthand for it'll increase the company's costs, which they will then pass on to the consumers. And shifting gears a tiny bit, you also reported Friday that large oil and gas companies are reporting massive profits in their second quarter earnings. And of course, companies are happy to be making a lot of money. But you spoke to some executives who acknowledge this is kind of an awkward position for the industry to be in right now at this moment of high prices where they're getting a lot of blame. So what's going on there? You know, there's been a month or so now of the Democrats basically trying to change the message on high gasoline prices to, well, it's the industry profiteering. They're the ones to blame for gas prices not falling faster. Oil prices have already fallen. We have senators like Senator Bernie Sanders and others championing a um, windfall profits tax idea. And you also just have, just from a PR standpoint, people are still paying a lot for gasoline. So these companies are basically, we had Valero report their profits on Thursday. They more than doubled their profits from their previous all-time high. So they're not wanting to draw attention, or at least definitely not wanting to seem triumphant that they're busting records or getting near all-time records on their profits. I mean, like Exxon on Friday reported $17.9 billion in net income for the second quarter, which was triple what they reported in the same time last year. I think Chevron's earnings is compared to the previous time around were even higher. I think they were at four times what they had reported in the second quarter of 2021. There is definitely profits all around, but there's not this triumphant or you know, even happy tone to these press releases or calls with investors. Also, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development says that rich countries broke their main climate promise to developing nations. That's what the organization said in a report released on Friday. For context, in 2009, high-income countries pledged to deliver $100 billion a year by 2020 to help poorer countries reduce emissions and prepare for the effects of global warming. But according to Friday's report, rich countries fell short by a magnitude of almost $17 billion in the deadline year. The failure to deliver on the $100 billion pledge has added to tensions between developed, high-emitting nations and developing countries. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. 
Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.